Hey Changemakers, welcome to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warrilow and I have a great guest for you lined up today. But this podcast, let me tell you a little bit about it because it's about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we will be diving deeply into topics at the intersection. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, sharing tools and resources, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. But before I introduce today's guests, I do have one request. Would you be willing to go to iTunes or whatever app you're listening to, subscribe and leave a rating and review? It's so helpful to us. It enables the algorithms to find us. It helps people find our community and it helps our guests to get their messages out to more people. And it is a small thing that would mean so much to us. So thank you for that. Now, are you ready to be inspired? Because today, our guest is Sasha Allenby. And Sasha is the founder at Equality Hive. She's a best-selling author and ghostwriter living in New York City. Her latest book is Catalyst, Speaking, Writing and Leading for Social Evolution. And this was a number one Amazon bestseller. It supports politicians and thought leaders in the fields of racial, gender, sexual, socioeconomic, refugee and immigrant equality, to craft messages that actually contribute to change. She has also ghostwritten over 30 books and her skills are sought after globally. So welcome, Sasha. Oh, Jane, it's an absolute privilege and pleasure <laughs> to be here. You know, I'm a massive fan of your work and I've worked with you a number of times. So this is just an absolute joy. Thanks for having me on. Oh my gosh. I tell you, I can't wait for our conversation because <laughs> you and I, like behind the scenes, we could speak for probably like decades. I know, <laughs> so, exactly. We can't shut each other up or cut, shut ourselves up. <laughs> I know. And so we've got a title for our talk today, which is being a catalyst for change in these uncertain times. And I know that this is something that is very dear to your heart. So I'm actually going to ask you, you know, like why this title is important to you, Sasha? Well, I think probably my answer would change uh, in relation to what the world is going through <laughs> at the moment. And, and, and I'm not sure when the listeners are going to be listening to this, but we're right in the middle of the quarantine period here in New York City. I know you are too, Jane, over where yeah. you are. And so my feeling, my sense is Already in these times, there was never a more important time to be a catalyst for change, to be a voice that's heard, to bring forward change in these times. But right now, in the midst of what's going on in the world and what that's going to bring afterwards, it's even more important to ground ourselves in our own message, to ground ourselves in our own practice, and to really see how we can be useful and effective for what's to come. Oh my gosh, I love you and I love your passion and I love your energy and it's like, yes, at this side of the microphone. But before we get into that, because yeah. you know, it's a really, in some ways for some of our listeners, that's a big idea, right? Yeah. So I want to 
give them a sense of like who you are, right? And how you got to this place where you're so passionate about these things, right? So tell us a little bit about like who you are, like who's the woman behind the bio? So, yeah, I mean, when somebody says like, tell us who you are and tell your story, <laughs> there's so many different aspects or so many different places to start. Um, I think probably... I would say that I've been shaped by a number of life challenges, but particularly health challenges have really created a space for me to awaken and look at the world in different ways. So there's been a number of points in life where my health has completely crashed. And rather than them being as something of devastation, they've been like portals for me to really look deeply at myself and look deeply at the patterns that I've experienced and the patterns that have created who I am and to really supportively and carefully nurture myself through that. So there's been a couple of points in life where that's occurred, one more recently uh, and one about 10 years ago. And I would say like the grounding for everything that's changed for me in life has been from those points. So I'm somebody that really sees when something turns upside down in the world, that that's a chance for us to create transformation. I've done that a lot on a personal level. And I think that's what's going on for us at a global level as well right now. So, so that's where I'm coming from. Those moments of a personal crisis that have turned into personal opportunity and a reflection of how we can do that with what's going on in these current times. We oh, you know you and I have that in common, don't we? Exactly. <laughs> we, yeah, exactly. We have that in common. And, you know, as I'm listening to you speak to that, I'm reminded of how, you know, my own health challenges mm. have, have kind of, you know, brought me to my knees at times in my life and, 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 and kind of made me press pause on life. And it was not, it was only about a week ago that I was actually reflecting on how, ironic in a way it felt that you know i was reflecting on this and my personal health challenges during this time when mm. we have this global health challenge right now and i was wondering about the parallels about how <clears throat> i had created meaning for myself in those times how yeah. i'd reflected how i'd you know tried to use the lessons learned in that space to yeah. it's almost like a wake-up call yeah. and then starting to think well is that what this is? And I just heard you saying the same thing. I'm like, wow, like I'm not the only one who's actually thinking about these times in that way. Totally, totally. And I, re I really want to, I really, I'm totally with you. Every word you're saying, I'm hanging on and I'm, I'm really, really with you in that. And I really want to differentiate the difference that what we're talking about here for the audience, for the listener, between glossing over things and spiritually bypassing them and pretending everything's okay and being positive all the time. Yeah. We're not talking about that. And I really want to make sure that, uh, that, that that's really clear, that we're talking about, like you said, the things that bring you to your knees. Yeah. And when you're on your knees, when you're cracked open, when you're kind of like laid bare, how do you meet yourself there? with kindness, with care, with self-love, not just as concepts, but really meet yourself there so that you can grow out of that. And I think that's the difference between us talk, what we're talking about now and somebody who might create a podcast about staying positive in these times without really addressing the deep 
underlying stuff that's going on that needs to transform for this world for us to be in a better place yeah and I want to honor that I I, I totally agree I do because this isn't about just that that false pretense and you know slapping a band-aid and a smile on your face and yeah. thinking everything's going to be okay I mean quite honestly we are in challenging times and and you and I have had experiences I know from our from our relationship and conversations where you know we've we have been been brought to our knees and it's not just a case when you have a health challenge that it really you know kind of stops stops life pauses Mm. everything and you know for me particularly in in some of mine the whole of my life is just almost disintegrated. Everything that I knew and loved about my life, my yeah. career, my work has, has, has got, had to go away while I focused on what matters most, which was the number one, which was my health and well-being, to kind yeah. of come back to life in a way. And I, I think that because we've been viscerally through that as individuals, there's a, I don't know, there's a, there's a visceral experience that I have that I notice other people that haven't had that experience don't get the depth of understanding of what we're talking about and I wondered if you could just walk walk us back into a point in your life and give us a sense of what it's like you know to be brought to your knees by a health challenge and kind of you know give us some sense of how you navigated that and and how you came out of it changed in some way beautiful that's a beautiful question and i I can there's two like core moments where my uh, one where my body broke down completely uh probably over 10 years ago i was in bed for several years um and that was a core catalyst for change because it really like slowed me down like you said and helped me to look at the parts of myself that I've never really looked at and wouldn't have been able to look at if I was still just kind of in the hamster wheel of, of going through the motions of life. So I feel like that took me out of living in a mechanical reality where I was going through motions, but not really present. And it took me into being really present with whatever is and learning how to be present with what is. And I think, One of the biggest things I learned in that time, we taught this whole concept of self-love and it's very kind of conceptual. You know, people think they've got to buy themselves to love, buy themselves something to love themselves or do these certain things for themselves or like pamper themselves. You know, there's a very kind of like materialistic view of what self-love is that's propagated. And really, like for me, it was it was being able to meet myself in the most difficult moment with tenderness and kindness. So literally, when you feel broken apart, when you feel shattered, it's like literally picking up a small child who's crying and being able to meet yourself there and not reject any part of yourself or not reject the fear of any part of yourself. And I think that's really the key to to any kind of transformation and awakening. If you can meet yourself in your darkest moment without rejecting yourself, accept yourself fully where you are and and treat yourself with the compassion that you treat a small child, then nothing can phase you because however bad you feel, you can meet yourself there. So I think that really is like, for me, the secret that came out of everything. 
Yeah. And I know that, you know, for me, when I was in that space, it really yeah. helped for me. There was a book, uh, um, I think it's Thomas Merton, The Dark Night of the Soul. Right. And for me, it really reminded me that, you know, I'm not the only person to walk this path. Yeah. I'm not the only person to, you know, really confront my own, um, my own shadows in a way. And, and, and the stuff that I didn't like about myself. And some of that really came up for me in that space because I didn't know if I had the capability to heal. I yeah. didn't know if I could trust my body because it was right. giving me so much pain that I, it was easier to disassociate, disconnect, mm. ignore it, negate it. And it, and it was interesting because one of the things I want to ask you, because I, I hear there the emotional like experience of yeah. in that place. And that's not something we talk a lot about when we think about physical pain. We don't think about the emotional pain that goes with it. And I'd love you to speak to that because I know around the world right now, there's a lot of emotional pain happening. Definitely, definitely. And I'm really glad that you've asked me to speak to that because I feel like that's like, it's the core of everything. We're taught, we're taught to take action. You know, we're taught mm -hmm. like to be a good citizen in this world, what we need to do is be doing things and, and being, being someone that achieves and doing things. And what we're not taught so much is the emotional intelligence behind those actions. And I think like what's going on for people now and, and what comes out of this is that when you sit still, a lot of the emotions that you weren't used to, you probably didn't even know they were there or you probably hadn't even acknowledged them or you used to going out to distract yourself from them or you're used to like being so on the go that you don't actually see them. For a lot of people who are sitting at home now, they're going through the equivalent of what you and I went through when we had to sit still for that first time, mm. which is like facing this barrage of emotions that are heightened because of the fear that we're experiencing right now collectively. Mm. And heightened because of the challenges that, that we're experiencing. And we've not really been taught what to do when we feel this paralyzing fear, this survival response. And the thing is, we are all triggered on one level or another into a survival response right now, whether it's a survival response around fear of getting the virus, whether it's survival response because we actually got the virus or with somebody close to us has, or whether it's a financial survival response based on we've just lost our job or we're afraid that what's going to come like financially in the future. So we're all being triggered into this very real survival response in the brain. And when we get triggered into that survival response, we can't be creative because it's literally like the amygdala in the brain fires off and that's the one that takes over. And it's kind of like having the teenager of the brain in charge. Uh, and when that one's in charge, we, we either fro freeze into inaction um, and we go into like apathy and freeze, or we start panicking and we start reacting. And, and what we really need to do is be able to switch that survival response off so that can be, we can be really present and then second by second decide what action we're going to take rather than reacting from the fear that it creates. 
Yeah, I like that. I do. And, you know, it, it makes me want to ask you, you know, like when you were in that space, like how did you heal? Is, is this what you did? Yeah. <laughs> like for, fundamentally, um, the, the, the first time I got chronically ill, uh, I did a lot of work on emotional health and a lot of research on emotional health. I, I ended up co-authoring a book that was in 15 languages on, I think in the end on emotional health. So I really threw myself into what the emotional health response was and, and how we change our emotional health response. So yeah, I, I literally learned a ton of stuff about how to switch into the parasympathetic nervous system, the, the one that takes us out of fight and flight, the one that puts us into rest and repair. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, so it sounds very technical, but then a lot of the practices, you know, a lot of the things like meditation, a lot of the things like breath work, a lot of the things where we like exercise and then like lie on the floor afterwards and just really like relax every single muscle and work with our breath. You know, a lot of these strategies are actually super, super useful in these times. In fact, I've amped up my practice like never before in these times because I know we have to amp up what we're doing to meet the extended shift in central nervous system change that's coming from all this massive information that makes us feel that we're not safe. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that is such valuable information. I mean, one of the things that I'm thinking about for people that are like listening here is, I mean, is there anything that you can share that's like a practical, like, you do this, like, you know, if you're feeling this, if you're getting overwhelmed emotionally, if you feel yourself in that fight or flight response, like, what can people do? Beautiful. That? Yeah, beautiful. So, so I would say it's like twofold. And you, have, you in, in my opinion, in my experience, you have to come from both sides. You have to have a practice that you are doing even when you don't feel like you're stressed. So you have to have like some kind of like daily morning meditation practice where you just sit with whatever you're feeling or you do some uh, brain programming or you do some breathing or whatever a morning practice is. You have to be able to build a foundational baseline so that you're used to practicing not being in stress. Mm -hmm. And then you need another practice outside of that, that you may have even practiced on the mat in a calm state where you feel the instant you feel your, your brain switching on, you're able to remember, go back into the memory and sit back into that space that you were in when you, when you weren't panicked and you're able to give yourself some strategies. So you're literally talking to yourself. You're literally saying, okay, I can feel this stress coming up. I can feel the other part of my body taking over. I've practiced being in this state. I've practiced like processing this information. So I'm going to go back to that state that I was in on the mat where I was just sitting and I'm going to be with whatever comes up, like really consciously be with whatever comes up. And so you, you constantly developing this resource where you develop it when you're feeling calm and you meet yourself when you're not. And it's not a, a one-time thing. It's a constant weaving of those two things together so that day by day, moment by moment, even second by second, you're getting stronger in that. Yeah, I, I, I have 
And I love that you're using the word practice because yeah. I think it's so very important. And what's been interesting for me through all of this is, you know, my own development in this way is yeah. that I, I've had a morning routine for I don't know how long, I mean, over a decade. And what's been interesting is um, I, I, t- I took up running a year ago mm. and I didn't think that had anything to do with what you're talking about, right? I didn't think it was meditation. <laughs> I thought it was running. I thought it was about exercise and getting my body back to a level of health and fitness. And actually it's become the most incredible practice. Beautiful. <laughs> it really has because it's not about the running, right? Yeah. And so if you're someone that's listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I'm not a meditator, like I, like I can't sit still for 10 minutes, I can't do that. I would say go for a walk, go for a run because, you know, getting out into nature, getting just on a trail or just getting out of your neighborhood. And we can still do this in these socially isolating times because we can go out, we can put a mask on, we can keep our social distance, just go out on our own and, you know, take 30 minutes exercise and just be with yourself and and like you're talking about there relax into that relationship with yourself i think it's so very important for all of us and even though when i run my body gets stressed obviously because i'm running but what i've learned is it's a way for me to learn how to relax even when there's an environment of stress and tension in my muscles like the longer i run the more like it's interesting, the longer I run, the more exhausted I get and the more relaxed yeah. I get. It's fascinating. I start off very tense. My first couple of miles is really tense. And then I just start to like relax into the rhythm of it. And then I connect in and it becomes like a running meditation. It's so bizarre. And I never expected it, Sasha, which is why I've brought it up because these, like if you don't think of yourself as a spiritual person, yeah. It's okay. You can still find this practice for yourself. Totally. And I love it, love it, love it that you brought that up as well. Because like for me, like the, the sitting piece is just one piece. Yeah. Um, I, I have made it my practice too, to have some kind of like aerobic or weight training practice, like thrown in there throughout the day somewhere as well. Um, and, and so you've got this stuff where you create in stillness but you can also do that, like you say, through a physical practice. And mm-hmm. for, I know, I know, like you say, most people can get outside. Um, in New York, we're yeah. tending to say more in the apartments at the moment because when everybody goes outside, it's it's like, of course, sorry, it, it, it's still yeah, <laughs> it's still uh, it's still like a a, a, cra- a crazy scene out there. So we're all tr- we're yeah. all trying as much as possible to stay in. But there's some great resources, you know, like the, I've discovered a whole world of online fitness. Yes. That, you know, I've been like trying some great things and I found some awesome things. Like, for example, uh, Tracy Anderson's online fitness program. It's brilliant because they just, the instructors just do it in silence with great music. So you don't have that bit where you've got people talking that distracts you. Right. And so, so I found that like an incredible resource because you're able to stay in a kind of meditative state, like you say, and follow people doing movements without getting distracted by a, another voice. So it's really, like you say, about like, great, if, if that kind of sitting thing doesn't, doesn't work for you, can you get that same kind of thing while you're doing the dishes? Or can you get yeah. that same kind of thing while, 
well, you're doing like some other part of your routine or in the shower or wherever, so that you really constantly creating this connection to yourself nurturing this connection to yourself being there for yourself but it's you know it's really challenging in these times for all of us and just meeting yourself in in these moments we with just so much compassion kindness and care and if you lose it if you really like feel like you're freaking out that's totally okay be totally okay with yourself about that but just know how to scoop yourself up and acknowledge yeah there's a lot going on it's really valid to lose it right now but let's like stay connected to myself as i lose it so i can find my path back more effectively and more easily yeah absolutely and yeah and um yeah apologies if you're in new york city we have a bit more space around us here in columbus (laughs) So, so there is the the ability to kind of go out and not see anyone which is great especially if you go for a morning run at 6 a.m so. oh wow I'm, I'm just like take a photo for me or something <laughs> I totally will I totally will but I, I want to speak to you know I this it I see you as a catalyst Sasha I have for as long as I've known you thank you I likewise. see you as someone who really is a catalyst for change in the world and you know and we've talked a lot here about you know like the personal mm. aspect and and I really want to honor that and thank you for sharing so openly because I think that's going to be really useful to people that are listening in but I do want to kind of talk about your relationship with the world in yeah. these times because I think yeah. that's also important and you know kind of how that might be changing like because of what's happening in our environment and globally right now you know you to me is or you've always been someone that I look to for in a way for you've always had a very strong and passionate relationship with the world. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And um, so I'd love you to speak to that, but I'd love you to also give us a sense of, I mean, if that's changing and if it is, how? So, so that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful question. And, you know, like literally like most people I'm asking the question, how can I be most useful in these times? I know you're asking a similar Mm -hmm. question yourself, Jane, and you know, maybe a lot of the plans, that we had for our, our business this year evolving into something else. Um, certainly like one of the plans that I had with my partner, my partner, Mamad Mahmoudi is an economist and um, he's very into like what we can do to create social impact and social change. Uh, and obviously like Catalyst was a book that I released like last year about how we create messages of social impact and social change. And so, I think at this point in time, what's happening for people is this social piece is becoming much more prevalent. And it's becoming much more prevalent because people are getting the shake up because perhaps people who've never experienced what it might be like to have the fear of losing everything or what it might be like to not have enough resources. Suddenly that's on the table of like way more people than ever before. And so I feel like in the positive realm, what it's creating is it's creating this like sense where we're all like much more aware of everybody else and and what they might not have and and what we can do to address that balance as as a society. So I think it's actually the, the optimist in me sees this opportunity for social restructure on a level that has never been experienced or achieved before. And I'm seeing evidence of that in even 
some of the most Republican people, and I don't want to make this too political, but some of the most Republican, Republican people were the ones calling for every American to get $1,000. Uh, and that was like something that was being propagated by Andrew Yang, one of the candidates, like uh, several months ago, and people were laughing at that. And then suddenly, like in this crisis, that, that what was considered a socialist message is now being propagated. So we're starting to get people thinking about the community, about the, the social aspects and about these divides in ways that they've never done before. And I'm excited about that for my own work. And I'm excited about that for how that creates a change on a social level, because I really feel like stuff could break down and stuff could change if we really get in the driving seat and make sure that it does. Mm, yeah and I can really hear there your your passion for change yeah I can really hear your passion for social change yeah. as well but I'd love to hear like with some clarity in a way for mm. our listeners like what is that in service of I mean what's the stand that you're taking here Sasha and what's the vision that you have for a better world yeah I mean I, I think I think so, something unique, having come from the UK and mm -hmm. lived in the UK where there are more social structures in place for people and then moving to the US and like, I totally love living here. It's a complete privilege. I'm, I'm really, really grateful to be here. But I also see that the, the structure of the society is built more on the survival of the fittest yeah. and less on like supporting you kind of like encouraged to be an individual that makes it over like thinking and considering about social structures so my vision has been for for some time that these social structures start to reform in the u.s so that the people that that haven't been getting opportunities get more opportunities so that there's more of a leveling of the playing field. And so my vision is to be part of that. And I still, you know, in honesty, I don't know how before this even started, I was working on a project with my partner and um, a, another associate, Stefan Day, to create this whole project called Financial Literacy is Power. And, and so we'd already been like looking at that and now obviously we're reshaping and changing that for these times. But I think my vision is that on a personal level, I make a contribution somehow to the changing of the way that that structure is fair for some people and unfair for others. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I really hear that. And, and I, I know that as a thread that runs through your work. So yeah. You know, being someone who, who takes a stand for that, I have a question for you, right? right. It's a bit of a strange question. Because it's something it. we talk about in Sacred Changemakers, which is this idea, and it's kind of come from my own journey. Right. right. And I, I talk about the fact that when I first started out in my career, I had a job, and then I had a career, and then I had a career with a purpose, and then I had a career with a deeper purpose, and now I have a calling. Where do you fall on that dynamic? Because I've got a sense of it, but I want to hear what you said. <laughs> it's definitely the calling. <laughs> like, right. And I can, I can super, super, super relate. I'm, I'm just like, you're cracking me up as I'm seeing, I could see each, each part of my life in, in that, uh, like that diagram, that model you just laid out. And, right. and definitely like, 
the, this, you know, like the, the calling to be part of this social change, but to do it in a way that like, cause a lot of the social impact work, a lot of the messaging, and it's, this is why I wrote catalyst, um, uh, like an, and released that a year back. A lot of the social messaging is a reaction to what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and really, if we want to create social change, we, we need to be impactful in a way that's not just reacting to the current, current social climate. We need to be like visionaries. Mm. Uh, and like, like you say, we need to be sacred change makers. Mm. And we need to understand the people on the receiving end of that message, too. And not just do a message at them, but build a bridge into people's worlds. Um, and so I think I've lost a little bit of a track of what you actually asked me. I think I've gone on a little bit of a spiral. <laughs> well, I actually want to take you back a little bit. Yeah, you do, just yeah. kind of glossed over like, yeah, it's a calling and just right. kind of glossed over it. Okay, and yeah. I want to take you back to that because what I want to hear from you, Sasha, mm. is what's the difference in having a calling, right, uh, and having a career or a business with a purpose? What's okay. the difference for you? Okay, that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful question. I need to sit with that for a second. I mean, I think the first, as you were saying that, I think the word that just came into my mind and I don't even know why it did, but what came to me was authenticity, like mm. an authentic alignment with who I really deeply am as a human being and how I show up in the world. I think that's the difference between a calling for me you know, I've, I've had some incredible jobs and careers and I'm deeply grateful for the journey those have taken me on. But in this point in time, I've never felt more authentic to myself and I've never felt less guided by what I think other people are expected of me, expecting of me and more guided by my own, what's true for me than I do in this moment. And I think that's really, for me, the hallmark of a calling, not, not just kind of responding to the opportunities that are around me and responding to the kind of like the things that come, but like going into this like deep shaping of who I am as a human being and listening from that place mm -hmm. and, and responding to what's needed versus just kind of like oh i could do that and know oh, that opportunity is there and know oh, that person wants to hire me that's the difference for me i think in in this time and and i will be very honest that it's it's changing right now in this in this current in response to this current climate yeah yeah and you used a word there that you know i'm very curious about in my own life which is receptive you said you're being receptive and you're listening yeah. and then responding. So it's yeah. almost like a conscious response to that. And, you know, there's something for me that I wanted to hear what you thought about this, because for me, the calling is there's an inevitability with it, right? Yeah. Which means that I don't, I don't really have a choice. There's this, I'm going to be doing this anyway, regardless of what I think in my head, right? This is the work that I'm here to do. Like yeah. there's, there's no, it's almost for me, like there's no, there's nothing to discuss. There's nothing to think about because I'm going to do it anyway. And sometimes I get in my own way and think, okay, I need to figure this out. And then I think, yeah. no, Jane, you're going to do it anyway. Just do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's so weird. And it also, when you said authenticity, Sasha, it makes perfect sense now. Like what we were talking earlier about yeah. her health challenges, about building that, that strong foundation of a relationship with yourself, with all of yourself. 
Yeah. So that you know those dark places as well as the light places. You know, you, you know all of it, right? Because now, you see, this, this now leads to something we were talking about before we pressed record. Right. Is we were born for these times. Yeah. That's what the calling is. Yeah. Isn't it? Totally. And we've been training for it without even knowing, you know, it's kind of like we've literally been training for these times without even knowing it. And I love, I really just want to like (laughs) highlight something you said there because I absolutely love it. Um, And you you talked about like, I I better do this anyway, because I'm going to do it anyway. And I don't know if you've ever had the experience of resisting it and trying to do something else. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you try to do something else because because your head said that's what you were gonna do like six months ago. Yeah. So you stay with that. But then you get divided, and I'm sure like everybody listening knows this feeling, but the you get this division in yourself between what you think with your head you're supposed to be doing <laughs> and what you're being called to do. You you kind of live in this like two halves, like torn in half. Right. Uh, and I love, I love it that you said like, might as well do it anyway because I've got no choice. Because in a way, you've got no choice. Because if you make a choice, that choice is division and inauthenticity and like ripping yourself in two halves. And that, that's not really a very like comfortable way to live at the end of the day. No, no, it's really not. And the other thing I want to say is we're not special here. Like if yeah. you're listening to this, this is you too. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> totally, totally. Because, uh, oh, yeah, go on, go on. Well, I was just going to say, well, I think we're all, that's why we're here on the earth at this time. I yeah. think it's true for every single one of us. We can all choose to listen to our souls, to listen for the calling, yeah. to listen for what the world needs from us right yeah. now, yeah. and not just what our life needs. And, and I get that, you know, it, it's this kind of dynamic that we kind of navigate in sacred change makers between, you know, the I, me, mine, making sure that I'm okay, the yeah. people that I love are okay, we're financially secure, that the business is going okay. Yes, we've got to take care of that. But it's this yes and conversation. And we've got to look out, like you're saying, to the social side and the social structures and work out, well, how can I help? Like, what can I do? Beautiful, (laughs) yeah. You see what I mean? So it's both of them. And I think in the past, just like you were talking about the division of self there, I think we've had the division in culture of either I'm a not-for-profit and I'm socially oriented or I'm for-profit and I'm about business and I don't have anything to do with that world over there. And I think that's what is being called for now for an integration of these things. Oh, you're speaking my language, my friend. <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of the, a, a lot of the things, you know, like I, I don't know if you've ever like looked at, um, looked around like different industries and seen, and, you know, I've been looking around like different social impact things and different like spiritual things. And I, I totally see this disconnect where there's like the sense that, oh, that's got that piece, but it doesn't have that piece. Um, and I, I think what you're talking about now is this thing where we're bringing everything together. And I absolutely do believe we've all been training for these times. And, and I, I'm not just talking about me and you like, you like yourself. I'm talking about everybody that's listening to this. Yeah. There must be a moment or you, you, you would likely, should I say, had moments where you just get this feeling like, ah, that's what I've been working on that piece for and I didn't even know and that's what I'm working on that piece for and I didn't even know 
and you start to get this sense that like this jigsaw puzzle of many different pieces that seem disconnected suddenly makes sense as a whole and not you might not be there yet but you might even just have a sense that like you, you were doing this training without even understanding why and it might take a couple of weeks or a couple of months or maybe even a bit longer to understand how that all comes together you know the, someone that's listening their role might be when things have gone a little bit more together they they make their contribution or there might be someone listening now who in the midst of this crisis they see like a new contribution that they're willing and ready to make so it's not literally about just getting up and reacting and running out into the streets and shouting i'm here you know <laughs> like it's, it's kind of it's kind of more about taking stock and and seeing like what what your skills are and feeling into what's true for you and just getting more and more authentic with yourself so that you can see how you can be a most hu useful human being not just in these times but in all the times that follow yeah and you know you remind me of um a book that i've recently read and for the life of me i'll put it in the show notes i can't remember the name of it but this guy um he actually set up vision spring um and he's he's an uh, an optician and he set right. up vision spring to actually give glasses to uh india and other other wow. third world countries and he he wrote this book it's i think it's called dare to matter and um, in it, he talks about two questions. And that's what you reminded me of as you were talking there, is he speaks of these two questions. He said, when you find yourself in that place where you've got a sense that there's something emerging in you, yeah. you ask yourself two questions. The first is, you know, um, what needs me? Right? That's the first question. What needs me? Where, yeah. where can I add the most value? And then the second question is, what feeds me? Yeah. So what inspires me, what keeps me at my best. And also for me, that is also about the I, me and mine. Like, you know, I can, I can ask the question, what needs me in the I, me and mine space. And I can ask it in the we space. Yeah. And then I can ask what feeds me in the I, me and mine space. And then what feeds me in the we space. And I just love those two questions because they really catalyze a different perspective. I love it. Absolutely love that. And did, did you say you remembered the author or you? I can't remember his name, but I will put it in the show. Brilliant. Notes. I know it's brilliant. called Dare to Matter that. and he's yeah. the founder of Vision Spring. But. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll find him that way. I, I love that. Um, yeah. And, you know, like I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned books because, oh, I don't know, I just think in, in this time we've got this choice, haven't we? We can, we can check out and watch Netflix if we want. And if that's how you cope with it, that's absolutely fine i've got zero zero judgment on you for that do whatever you need to do but i found like you know I, I, like everybody else i've got that tendency in me where i've thought oh yeah i can just like check out for a couple of days and watch a tv series and i know what will happen to my nervous system and my brain if i do that particularly if it's something like apocalyptic or <laughs> something that's like a little bit reflecting at these times and so like i i've literally like banned myself from um netflix other than any comedy that i watch with my partner and instead i'm going for audiobooks you know i'm going for podcasts i'm stuff like this you know yeah. and, and that's like even if you haven't got one single practice you know even if you're not ready to take on a practice a practice can be just switching to listening to like audiobooks stuff that's going to inspire you podcasts and i'm assuming if, if anybody's here they're already kind of in that mindset 
But I just really want to reinforce how important that is in these times. And knowing my own nervous system, the days where I've just thought, ah, oh, sod it, and I've, I've switched on a few like Netflix back to back in contrast to the days where I've totally banned myself from that and just listening to inspiring stuff and educating myself is night and day. So just like any resources that we can pull that are helping people to like get this in their nervous system and get this in their bones. And, and that can be like the most important practice. Yeah, I think that's true. And I love that we've gone to books because obviously you're a best-selling author <laughs> and <laughs> you've written tons of books, you know, as a ghostwriter for other people that have been incredibly popular around the world. So I want to ask you about your best-selling book, Catalyst, because I think that, you know, there's going to be people listening here that do have a message during these times that do want to get it out there in some way. And I just wondered, you know, what advice, what tips, what's important in shaping a message that other people are going to want to listen to? Beautiful. And, and I can, I can summarize that. Uh, I can summarize that in a very um, simple way. You've got to think of, of your message as a bridge. I think I mentioned it a bit earlier, but let, let, let's build on it a little bit. You've got to think of your message as a bridge into somebody else's world. And I actually learned this like really early on in my career. I was very grateful. We had a professor. I was, I was, uh, when I was training to be a drama teacher and I was a drama teacher for many years, we had a professor called Brian Watkins. Um, and he was this incredibly well-spoken, incredibly well-dressed English gentleman in his seventies who'd spent his whole, whole life going on to like house and estates, working with kids with severe challenges, severe like social challenges. And so he broke it down for us, really, how to build a bridge into other people's world and how if, for example, he was going to uh, he'd go to the football matches with these kids and he'd learn all the teams and he'd learn all the players and he'd learn the history of that. Or if he was going to like a family that nobody else would be able to reach, he would go and he would learn about the animals that they had in the house and the habits of those. And he would just go and talk about those things to start with. And, and what he really taught me is, is about like how we build a bridge into other people's worlds. And so many of us create a message that we do at people from our worlds, expecting them to receive it with the same experience, knowledge and understanding as we, as we have, when really we need to be thinking the opposite. We need to be thinking like, what's in their world that I, where I can meet them and I can connect with them. And we need to be building our messages from that place. And that's where 99% of the messaging goes wrong, I think. And it's why we have the current uh, president in the White House that we do, because he know how to build messages that reach the world of the people that voted for him. Mm. Yeah. And so it's, it's so it's important. <laughs> it's so important today that that in itself, knowing how to build a bridge, because for me that reminded me of my work on resonance. Yeah, is you know it's about and 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 we talk about integral change makers. You know, building a, a business as a dialogue, not just as a monologue. Beautiful. And what I'm meaning by that is that you know, it's, it's about the people on the other side of the message as mm. much as it is about like you and what you want to do in the world, right? Because it has to land somewhere or else there's no communication that's taking place. So I love that you're speaking to that bridge with the message because 
I think it's so easy to forget sometimes in yeah. these in these worlds that we live in of you know and the technology of broadcast media you know like on social media we can just put a message out there and it's almost like throwing spaghetti at the wall and yeah. hope it sticks right yeah totally totally and you know like one of the things I've seen in social impact messaging time and time again people will start their message with I am offended you know like <laughs> you know, we're all probably offended by what <laughs> what we experience but that's not going to change anything for from for the offendee (laughs) you saying you're offended is a completely like is a waste of of communication skill you know because really yeah you have to have that offense and then then see how you can build a bridge into that world to break down what was offensive rather than to react against what was offensive. So it's a very challenging thing because we have our own emotions that come up, you know, like a a lot comes up for me, like living in the U S my, my partner's from Iran, you know, we've, we faced a lot of the challenges around the Muslim ban together and a lot of the the racism and xenophobia that that's come out of the current system that we're in. Uh, and so like, I understand that offense. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I understand that if, if we want to deconstruct uh, like and, and create a message that deconstructs a particular kind of prejudice, we have to know how we can reach into that world to do so without compromising our own integrity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Yeah. I do. And I, I think that building that bridge, what's interesting for me as I think about the bridge and what you're talking about here is that to be able to build a bridge, we have to first start with our side of the bridge and know where yeah. we stand. Beautiful. You know, and if we don't know where we stand, how, how can we build a bridge? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you, we have to know what we're standing for yeah. uh, and what's again, what's authentic and true for us. But we have to be way more creative than just reacting to what's going on. You know that because it just yeah. it literally, although I understand it, you know, we've got just all this social media where we can go on and we can react and we can get angry. And I totally respect it. And I understand it. And I understand why people are angry and I, I'm angry yeah. with them. But I don't create my messages from that place. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, I really do. And I just want to add that that doesn't mean, you know, you can still create a message that's like from the place of anger, you can still create a fiery, passionate, challenging message. I'm not talking about like all messages being the same tone. You can still create a message that really calls out, but it's from a place of being solid within yourself and, and not just from a place of reaction. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you, like, is there a, an easy way for you to let us know what you stand for? I've got a sense of it after our conversation, but <laughs> I'd love to hear, like, what do you take a stand for? What, what do I take a stand for? Um, I take a stand for social equality. I take a stand for equality on all different levels. You know, I really, I, I talked about leveling the playing field earlier and, and my biggest hope in these times and all times is that we not only understand equality as a concept, but we understand and, and connect with each other from that place, you know, like from, from a place of really seeing and what shoes somebody else is walking in, having the compassion and understanding to, to be able to create an equal world. So yeah, I, I know, I know it's, it's a utopian vision, but I take a stand for a much more equal world. 
I love that. I do. And you just, you just made me think of something there in my own life is like, I've, I've often referred to myself as an edge walker, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. walking the edges. And more recently, I've been thinking of myself as a bridge builder between those worlds. Ah. So it's kind of interesting because the edge walker's got more of a, an edge to it, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but the bridge builder still goes to the edge to build the bridges. But it, you know, it's still about the edges, but there's an understanding, there's a compassion, there's a, there's a different energy somehow to yeah. that than edge walking for me. And I think it's so important as you're talking about in these times. So I love that, you know, like m many years ago, you inspired me with, I, I, I can't remember if it was me interviewing you or you interviewing me, but <laughs> I think it was me interviewing you um, many, many years ago about your earlier books. Um, and you talked about edge walking then. And I remember everybody in the audience was on the edge of their seats. And I, yeah. I was like, Sue, I was there. And you inspired me for the next part of my career, like to think and see as an edge walker. And now I see like these worlds coming together that we've been, yeah. you know, that we've been building and, and working on. So now I, I love the way you, the bridge becomes the, the edge becomes the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's such a joy talking to you. So I just you have too. one final question for sure. you. Sure. So there's, if there was something you'd hoped we'd get to today, something you want to share with our listeners, what might it be? I, I think like it's, it's something around like hope. And I don't mean false hope. I don't mean like spiritual bypassing or glossing over the reality of what is. But I think I'd really just want to share a message of hope that these times are offering us a tremendous opportunity for change. And I would really just like want to share just this, even a glimmer of hope that this is a catalyst of transformation, like a tough one, believe me, like, you know, we would have chosen a different one, but this thing that we're going through globally is a catalyst of transformation that we can all be part of. And just to encourage the listener, ask the listener to join me in that hope that then becomes a hope that, that fires up in themselves and becomes an action for the future that we want to build and create together. Oh, beautiful. Really. So beautifully said. Sasha, thank you so much. For oh, thank you. Yours. I mean, you've been so open and I feel like you've trusted us with your soul today. So thank you so much. Oh, that. thank you so much. It's only because you're so phenomenal. And I just like, <laughs> I just feel like I'm having a chat to, a, to an old friend, you know. <laughs> Which of course you are. There's I just am, a lot yeah. of people listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. thank you so much, Dane. I really, I've enjoyed every second of this and I just... Uh, as you said at the start of as Sacred Changemakers, I just want to encourage everybody to to share this podcast, like not just this one, but the whole pod, pod series that you're doing. So we get Jane's message out into the world more and more and more and more people get to connect with her beautiful energy and the wisdom that she's sharing. <laughs> it's, it should be heard by like millions of people worldwide. Oh, Sasha, thank you. Uh, I, I'll pay you later. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay, guys. Um, as you know, this episode of Sacred Changemakers was brought to you today by our sacred community of individuals who want to make the world a better place. You, dear listener, were born for these times, as you heard us say in our conversation. We can all be changemakers, and the world needs you. 
but perhaps you don't know how to make a meaningful difference or what you can do to help. And if life is feeling a little chaotic and you're looking for sanctuary, if you're interested in connecting with some lovely people, if you have a sense that there is something more to life, but you're not sure what it is, perhaps a deeper purpose or a calling of your own, then we invite you to explore this and so much more with us in community. Expand your awareness, clarify your purpose and learn how to make a meaningful impact with your life and in the lives of others. The members are actually our sponsors who help us to produce this podcast for you. So if our episode resonated with you today, we hope you'll consider joining us. And for now, I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for your efforts and your intentions to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.